Hi, everybody. Hi, Mary Ann. Welcome to Not Your Mama's Drama. Hi, Tanika. Hi, everyone. So, Tanika, what's your drama today? Well, you know how we've been searching for happiness and our purpose our whole lives, Marianne? Yes. I, I met this young man who truly is charting his own course. We met at work and he was so pleasant and funny and he's always like really positive and uplifting. He's giving out positive quotes and giving um, workout challenges and inspirational videos. Like he's really, truly a good guy. And he has great stories all the time. I, you know, in fact, I nicknamed him the Dos Equis guy because he's like one of the most interesting people I've ever met. And I just thought that he may be really interesting for our guests to hear about and, you know, see how he's really making his way through life because it, it really is a good story. So I would like to welcome our very special guest, Roderick Chisholm. Hi, Rod. Hi, Tanika. Hi, Marianne. Welcome to the show. So we're going to get right into it because we don't want to waste any time. Tell us about your upbringing and what led you to be, oh, by the way, guys, he's super adventurous. We, you'll get into that in a little bit. But what led you to be so adventurous? You know, how was your childhood? Were you just jumping off of banks or what? Like, how did it start? So my childhood was, I would say, a bit different from a lot of my peers. Um, I used to be embarrassed. My mom had me when she was 15 years old. And so I would sometimes say my mom and I grew up together. But of course, I didn't have the the strict mom like my peers would have had mm -hmm. because their moms were older. Um, so but she did establish boundaries. She did establish morals inside of me, even being the young age that she was. So my childhood was a bit different, although I had the freedom, but I also had influential people come into my life to change the course. Um, we didn't always stay in the best neighborhoods, but I knew that there was a better option out there for me somewhere. And so my mom stayed on me about my education. She made sure I stayed in my books. Um, I remember one time I made like a C or something. I was on punishment for like the whole quarter until the next report card came out. <laughs> um, but my upbringing and what um, made me be of interest is just knowing that there was other things outside of the environment that I was in and just having creating opportunities for myself and knowing that that was a better life. Awesome. That's amazing, Rod. I have a question. I heard that you were in the bomb unit. That sounds super dangerous <laughs> and super interesting. Like just something that you see in movies, you know? Mm -hmm. So I've never met anyone that has been in a bomb unit. I want to hear all about it. Yeah. So it wasn't a bomb unit, um, but we were, I was a combat engineer. Um, combat engineers, we are the ones who clear the routes and shape the battlefield for follow-on troops and units. So um, if we need to get inside of a, um, a barbed wire fence and maybe they have it pretty secured, we would go up and put Bangalores in them, explode the Bangalore, I mean, explode the um, barbed wire fence so that the troops can get in. We also build bridges um, for alternate routes that may not be accessible otherwise. Um, combat engineers also um, fix, move, and disrupt other the enemy's formations. So we build, um, we put craters into the ground so that maybe they can't get their tanks across to a certain area or um, 
I used to operate this thing called a volcano um, mind dispenser. And what that does is it allows me to put X amount of, I can't remember the number exactly, but put X amount of mines onto a battlefield so that we can use that area to keep the enemy out of and have to go around and fix them into another direction in which we want them to go. So we, so did we didn't deal, mention. Yeah, we dealt with mines. We dealt with Bangalore's. Um, Miklix was it's like a, another explosive. So many explosives, but yeah. I, I failed to mention that you, you were in the army. So he doesn't do that just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but tell us the story of when the, the thing you used to do where you had to like run and time it and all of that stuff. So every year we would have to go, of course, you know, and dealing with explosives, you have to make sure you keep the training um, up to par. So every year we would go to this big field. Um, no civilians were allowed. We had to be at certain distance before we even exploded. So, excuse me, depending on what the um, what the obstacle was, we would have to go down, put it, put the put it together. So we would create our as I was talking about the um, barbed wire fence, we would create that obstacle in case we have to um, do it in real life. So we would create like this barbed wire fence, but it wasn't like your regular barbed wire fence that you see outside of like companies. These are like they call them 11 row barbed wire fences. And it's like maybe three strands or up to 11 rows of barbed wire. And we would create those ourselves. We would go up, we would put the Bangalore's at an angle because they have to be at an angle because it's uh, it's going to explode out so that it creates a, a route for the tanks or whatever we need to get in. Um, we would create that. We would go down, we would put our deck cord um, around the tip of the Bangalore. So the Bangalore's are like, I don't have anything to show you, but it's a big, long, like, pipe. And you put your deck cord around the end of it. You tie um, a timing fuse to it, typically about a minute, but the timing fuse is like an uh, emergency in case your um, igniter doesn't go off. You walk back um, maybe two, three football fields. You go into a bunker, and um, someone yells, fire in the hole, fire in the hole, and you pull it, and it explodes. Yeah, it sounds like a movie. I feel like I need to say thank you for your service after all of that. But <laughs> that's amazing. I, I I watch a lot of um, war movies. And so all the time I think, you know, what is combat really like? Is it really like this? And yeah. by the way, you know, by, by your description, it sounds like it is a lot like it is in the movies. So, wow. Yeah. So also... This is this has to be the most interesting thing I've ever met or heard about anybody ever. You're getting a fireworks certification. Is this correct? Yes. <laughs> and what does that mean? And it, he also has kids. So without a doubt, he is the coolest dad on the block. I am certain of it. <laughs> so getting my fireworks certification means that I'll be able to um, do my own shows, or I can serve on a crew and do um, shows. So, like, um, when you see people, when you see the fireworks go off at, like, the Super Bowl or at a Beyonce concert, I say that because that's relevant now. Um, yeah. There's some kind of <laughs> there's some kind of pyro technician there operating those fireworks. So getting my certification is just first step to get me to be able to do those kind of things. Is that rare? 
people having that certification? Uh, I would like to say so. Um, even even in the classes, so the class that I'm going to take is a, a seat for 125 people. But not everyone go through, they just take the class just for experience. Not everyone go through the the entire phase of, because after you take the class, you have to then serve on a crew, you have to do four shows, and then you have to do a fifth show where you're the lead operator. And so, yeah. And so it's, it's a lot more into it after I take the class, and then I got to do those. And then you, you send in your application with document, documentation of your shows, and then you get your certification mailed to you. Well, I have a follow-up question. Actually, too, um, I'm going to ask this one in the most appropriate way. Are there a lot of injuries? Because I imagine that there are. And then is it well-paid? Because it seems like it's just such a rare certification. So injuries, I would like to say yes. And that would be because um, people don't respect the, the hazardness of it, if that's the word, hazardness. <laughs> but... It, it It is. I mean, it's not as explosive as the Bangalore's that I talked about, but fireworks are explosive. They are packaged as, as such. And so if people don't respect them as such or they just, you know, think that it's a, just a recreational activity, they can run the risk of injuring themselves. As far as pay, it could be lucrative if you market it the correct way. Um, as I said, there, there are people who uh, perform at um, concerts, uh, football games, NASCAR. Um, one of the places where I get my fireworks from to even get them to move is $10,000. Whoa. Fireworks? Like just to buy the fireworks, it's $10,000? them to come do a show. Wow. And so one person can get paid all of this because then I'm in the wrong field, but I don't even cook because I want to avoid getting burned. So I don't think I would ever be lighting fireworks. So one person could do it. I won't say that I recommend it. However, it's possible. Um, the show that I did for the 4th of July, I did it all by myself. I purchased the fireworks. I put did all the fuses. I put it all together by myself. I was sweating profusely. And uh, so it's possible, but I wouldn't recommend it. You, you need a team just because you want to make sure you have those extra set of eyes, make sure you don't miss anything. You know, it's always better to have more safety than just yourself. The show was magnificent, though. I'll, I'll have to send you the video. That's what I was going to say. Do you put together, like, the artistic side of it? Like, how the fireworks are going to go off and how pretty they are? And is that part of your training? It is. So I haven't had professional training yet. <laughs> yeah. But, on your way. Um, but I, um, because I'm so passionate about it, I do do research. I watch videos on how to do things properly. Um, and yeah, I put it all together myself. I put it on the boards. I figure out where what I want to go, where, how I want to start it, how I want to keep the crowd engaged, and how I want to end it. Oh, that's that sounds super, super interesting. And I don't know if Tanika has showed you. We have a video of a Fourth of July that we spent together, and yeah. there was a fireworks like emergency that we were almost in the middle of. Is that a good word, Tanika? Emergency. I'm going to say it was a faux pas. Yeah. <laughs> a drunken faux pas. Yeah. I didn't even think we can post it on, on, um, on any of the social media because like, we just don't even know where the fireworks went. Let's just say we would never do it again. We learned our lesson, but she'll show you. 
It was yeah. hilarious, though. And I just want to point out that there were two women in that video that looked a little bit like me and my co-star here. <laughs> and our children were out there. And maybe those two women ran, forgetting oh, wow. the children. <laughs> <laughs> we ran for our lives. It was like everyone saved themselves. Our children, they, they can walk. So they must know that they got to run in this situation. <laughs> No one was hurt. <laughs> we survived, but we could have used a person with training. Yeah. Yeah, we needed somebody out there like you. Yeah. Just let me know next time. <laughs> yes, we will. Well, so I have heard that at times your work has led you to live far away from your family. So I wanted to know, how have you dealt with that? Like, how do you keep the spark alive when you have to be far away? Um, communication compromise, listening, and making time. Those are my four things, right? Um, Ms. Tanika tell you I have no problem with taking a day or two or a week off. Um, my daughter graduated kindergarten um, back in June. I took a day off for that. Like Family is important to me. And so anytime there's something where I need to be there, I make sure I take that time and make that time to go be supportive because they are also supportive of me especially with me being far away. Oh, that's beautiful. Show up for your family because they're supportive of you. I love that. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And he does some really cool dates too that he tells us about after they're over. So there was this one uh, restaurant, it's called Dark or Black or something. Blackout. And you, it's completely dark. Mm -hmm. I would never do that. How was it? It was, it was an experience. You eat all your food in the dark. Um, from the time you check in, they walk you back. You even have to be shoulder to shoulder. You got to put your hand on the back of an escort shoulder and they walk you to your table. You can't see anything. I would never. No, it doesn't. I mean, I just don't know if I would enjoy that, but I'm glad that you enjoyed it. How no, do you think of this? You know, I, I, I didn't think I would enjoy it either, but I think it's a it's a great experience. Um, like I told Miss Tanika, I think it's a great first date idea because yeah. it forces you to engage in conversation. You, you and you you're not you're not you're not looking at this person of attractiveness. You're not into your phone, um, and you're really engaging in conversation and getting to know one another. Oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. I think phones are not allowed, right? Because the lighting would just ruin everything. Yep. yep, you have to put your phone in a locker before you even go back. Very cool. I love places where phones are not allowed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally different. I always need my phone. <laughs> but you know what? So also another, like I said, Rod gives us these inspirational quotes, but that's because he's always reading. Every time you see him, he has a book. So what, what are you reading now? What's, what's your inspiration now or and what is the best book you've read so far? Right now, I am reading The Richest Man in ba Babylon. Um, oh. That book was rec recommended to me years ago, and I just never picked it up. Um, but I finally got hold to it, and I decided to dive into it. And it's a very intriguing book. Um, it, it makes you realize how you're spending your money and, and how you view money and the people around you and how they spend money and, and investments and so forth and so on. And it's, it's very practical. It's not like some 
some deep book saying, oh, you need to invest in a Roth IRA and you need to put $30,000 in there a month or nothing like that. No, it meets you where you are. It tells you, hey, if you only make $10 a month or $10 a week, however, pay yourself first. So if you make $10 a month, hey, put a dollar up for you. Put that to the side. Live off the rest of it. But also be smart. Budget. Don't just go blow your money. So that's what I'm reading now. Um, I haven't quite finished it yet. Uh, it's a quick read. I'll probably finish it by the end of the week. Um, the question was my favorite book or the, the best book. Yeah, I would have to say at this time, it's this book called Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. That by far right now is my favorite book. What is that about? So it's about this guy. Um, he was working for many different um, Fortune 500 companies. But then he hit rock bottom and he took a trip um, by himself in his car. I believe he went to a church. I have to go back and um, he went to a church and he sat. In this trip, he has this conversation with the devil. And because the Bible says we have power and dominion of all things, he used that to talk to the devil. So the devil had to tell him anything he asked. Um, and so one of a few of the things that he asked was, how do you get into people's minds? How do you control people? The devil response was he controls 98 percent. Of the people in the world, and he does that through their minds, um, through churches, through schools, through politics, through fear. Fear is like the main thing. Um, and there's this thing called drifting. Um, we all drift, but drifting could be high or low. And when he talks about drifting, he talks about, um, so let's say you got a bad habit. Um, I'm going to use smokers, for instance. Um, smokers drift. They have to have their cigarette or whatever it is they, they, they smoke. They have to have it, and it causes them to lose focus. It sometimes distracts them. It keeps them from going to another level um, because it, they, it makes them lose that level of dopamine and excitement. Um, and he talks about how he controls babies before um, they even come to the earth through their parents and in the womb. And it, it's, it's very deep. Um, I recommend it to anybody. Um, he talks about the school systems. Um, he talks about and this book was written, I want to say, back in 1963. Um, and he was so afraid Well, his family was so afraid for him to publish it that it didn't get published until 2011. Now, in this book, he talks about the 2008, I think it was the 2008 um, stock market crash, I believe. Um, but this book was before its time or the transcript of it was before its time. So it's, I think it's a great book. Um, it just tells you how to not, um, drift and how to not fear. You know, uh, one of the things he talks about is if you want to be close to God, be a self thinker. Um, we often lose our own thoughts because of our environment, because of the people around us, because of what we see on the news what we hear on the radio, so forth and so on. So just be your own thinker. That's one of the things he talked about. Social media will do it. It'll wipe yes, your it mind clean. It will. Well, all those reels, for sure, they're not yeah. helping. Yeah. They're not yeah. helping. That's so, a drift. That's a drift. Think about, think about, I know, I'm not sure which social media you all have, 
But think about a time where you were just sitting and just scrolling. You get so locked in that you just scroll away knowing that, hey, I, I might need to be doing something. I need to be doing some homework or I need to be mowing the lawn or something needs to be done. But you're wasting your time. You're sitting there scrolling, you know, so that's a drift. It is. It is. Or investing time in your family, because sometimes I'll just scroll. And when I look, an hour has gone by and all I've done is scroll and I could have exercised. (laughs) I could have done something productive, but an hour has gone by and I'm just going like this. So, yep. Yep. I get it. You could have cooked. You could have read. You could have talked. So many things. I'm very guilty of that myself. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, Rod, I've heard that you come to work every day and you just you know, provide inspiration for everyone. So where do you get all this inspiration, this motivation? Do you have an app? What What's the secret? Um, from Well, from books, um, from within myself. And I also listen to um, a few inspirational speakers. So like Eric Thomas, Les Miles, Miles Monroe. Those are like my top three. If I'm feeling down, I, I definitely go to uh, one of those three. But it's just a matter of, for me, um, life is short. I've lost a lot of friends. I've lost a lot of family. And I just realized like, yes, it's okay to have those days, but they don't last always, you know? So what are we going to do about it? What's next? How do we move forward? So if I get an injury, um, like I just told Ms. Tanik, I find out I have, might have arthritis in my knee, but my, I didn't get down about it. My next thing was, hey, I can heal myself. God gave me that power. I can heal myself. So it's just being positive because you just never know who, who around you might need that positivity. Um, and there's you gain nothing from being negative. So I try to be positive all the time, try to lift up spirits or whatever. I used to pray about being, um, I used to pray that God allows me to be a citizen of heaven so that I can be an example to those around me. Oh, nice. That's very nice. You know what? You mentioned your knee. So how did you get this bum knee at such a young age? What did you do? So I played football from the time I was seven. Yeah. Um, All the way up until I had a tryout with the Washington Redskins back then. They're now the Washington Commanders. Um, But I, I had a few surgeries on this knee. Well, one. But that whole left side is just... It's probably robotic right now because I had a deltoid ligament repair. I had a meniscus repair. um, And then I just kept doing things that I probably shouldn't have been done doing, um, playing basketball, um, running. Um, I run a lot. Definitely not now because of the knee, but um, I run eight miles at a time here and there. Um, At one point, I was training for a half marathon, but then I got hurt. I did something then. I just never got back into it. But that's how I got this one knee. But it's my favorite knee. <laughs> it's the winning knee. It's the winning one. It it, it always right. needs attention. So also, I did want to ask you about this because this is something you're starting pretty soon, I think. Let me know. Um, your personal training business. What are you going to do with that? So I am looking to coaching running backs. Um, so there's this thing called Coach Up, and you can go on, you can create an account, and you can you can train kids one-on-one or as a group um, on certain um, positions in whatever sport you are an expert in. So that's one of the things that I'm, I'm looking into doing. 
Nice. Paying it forward. Yeah. How do you have time to do so much? I think you're just one of those people that always has to be doing something. Do you ever just sit still? You know, I get told that a lot, that I need to just sit down somewhere. Um, but I, I can't. I can't. Because um, that's just not who I am. I feel like, you know, the the, the old saying goes, I, I don't mind, it's a devil's workshop. So I try to make sure I'm always doing something, um, either productive or, you know, something with my mind or giving back. You know, So those are the things that I'm I'm into. I plan on doing a um, a toy drive this year with my mom for Christmas. So I'm excited about that. Nice. Are you going to do that in your hometown or are you going to do that? More Where are you going to do that? Mom, mom don't like to travel, so it'll probably be in the hometown. <laughs> <laughs> and where's your hometown? Charlotte, North Carolina. There you go. So um, I am also born in North Carolina. <laughs> but he says I'm not real because I was raised in Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to claim you. Yeah, he said, I can't claim my state. Like, what is that? <laughs> he doesn't claim North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So you mentioned that you you can never stay still. And so what drives you to just learn? And, and how do you decide what you're going to learn next? Ooh, good question. Um, what drives me to learn? I'll start with that. Is... I would hate to be in a situation where I don't have an answer or I don't know something. Um, I like to be able to walk into a room and be able to have a conversation with anyone or any room. Um, I don't know if you all are familiar with the, familiar with the, um, what's it called? Hamilton? Mm -hmm. Um, Um, One of the songs is called Room Where It Happens, you know, and sometimes I want to be in the room where it happens. In order to be in the room, you got to have some kind of knowledge of whatever room you're in. And so I just interested in, you know, anything or trying to find resources that I can pass down to my children or to those that will follow on behind me and just being able to pass on that knowledge. So. And you're currently in school. What are you studying now? I am getting my master's in information security and assurance. Sounds smart. <laughs> I just think his day has more hours than mine. Like for just some, I know it does. It's not adding up for me. I don't know. I do think he has like some kind of superpower where it's just a double day. So I I will say this. Um the army it taught me that there's always time, right? So if something needs to be done, you you, you make time for it. So Sometimes in the army, you get up three, four o'clock in the morning and you, you start your day at that time. So, you know, I, I don't do that all the time. But if something if I'm running late on the assignment, then I got to get up at three o'clock in the morning to, to knock it out or stay up till midnight before it's due and, you know, get it done. So, yeah, just try to create time wherever I can. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to give you the opportunity for a humble brag. Right now, what are all your grades so far in your master's program? I am a straight A student right now. Of course. Of course he is. (laughs) I know. Well, I mean, it's inspirational. And I do think that when you start your day with purpose, you're just so much more productive. And it seems like you you live your life that way. So what would you, you're pretty young, but what would you tell your younger self? 
Mm, that's also a good question. I because my son looks just like me, and he's um, four. He'll be five in September. I ask myself that all the time, and one of the things that I would say is, find your purpose, set your foundation, and stay away from girls until you're ready. Yeah. Nothing, nothing bad about nothing bad about girls, but you know you really can't give yourself to someone or allow someone into your space until you really know who you are. Otherwise, it'll be a distraction, or you know you'll start to take on certain patterns that they may have, and it might not be conducive to the lifestyle that you want. So, it's true. We could be adrift too. We're not. We're not in the book that you were reading. Yes. <laughs> that wasn't one of the categories. To be honest, it is. Yeah. It is. You, you should pick up. You should pick up. It, it talks about that. It talks about those things. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it. <laughs> so <clears throat> you told me a while ago when we first met, before you even knew I had a podcast, that it was a dream of yours to be on a podcast. Mm-hmm. And of course, my wheels started turning immediately. Um, but then eventually, I several a while later, I asked you to be on the podcast and here you are. So, you know, that's something that I feel like you've spoken that into existence. Mm -hmm. So what other things are you trying to achieve? What's coming up next? What are your big goals? What's coming up next? One of the biggest goals that I have, and this is a secret and you all get it exclusive. I want to do a movie sort of like the Eddie Murphy effect, um, where I play all of the roles in my life. So um, I am a, a member of Omega Psi Phi, so that would be that version of me. Um, I was an anesthesia assistant um, for five years, so that would be that version of me. And this movie or show, it, w- it would just show the different aspects, the different times of my life um, doing each of those versions um, as a football player, as a dad, as a husband, so forth and so on, just, you know. So that's the big thing. I actually have a, a book that helps me write scripts. So I'm trying to just piece it all together now. That's what I was going to say. Are you writing it? And then let's call Netflix so we can start, start shopping <laughs> this around right now. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> did I tell you or did I not tell you that he is one of the most interesting people you're ever going to meet? He does everything, right? Yeah, he really, really does. And I just have to reevaluate my life and think about how many hours I have in my day. And am I really, truly getting the best out of those hours? Because I feel like I could do so much more with my life. (laughs) So, Rod, do you feel like you are living your best life? You are charting your course, finding your purpose. Do you feel like you're fulfilling those things? I'm getting there. Um... I've had my stint in, in all, I've put, as my old barber would say, I've had many handles in the fire. Um, as I told you before, I did a, a stint with NASCAR. Um, I played football, you know, um, I do the fireworks thing. And I think I'm slowly getting there, finding my purpose and understanding who I am and what I'm supposed to do. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Brad, thank you so much for coming on Not Your Mama's Drama. This has been so interesting to learn about you. And like I said, I have some work to do. Like I, I just, I have to find my purpose. I have to look at my day and like really reevaluate how I'm living my life. Not doing enough. Thank you. I all think, Marianne, you. what we really need to do is stop scrolling. <laughs> <laughs> that would 
at least one hour to my day every single day at a so, minimum. So how I how I got rid of that is um, so when I started my master program, I deleted Instagram off my phone for the entire term of my first class. I don't believe I got Instagram back until maybe two or three weeks ago. It's just finding focus, you know, and, and clearing out the clutter. I mean, you think about it. You wake up, you all have kids, you got to get the kids ready. Then you go to work. Then, you know, you might have to stop at a gas station, you might have to stop at a grocery store. It's always something or some noise, as I like to call it, clouding our minds. And sometimes we got to take that time, go into a quiet space and just allow ourselves to think and refocus. And, you know. So. Yeah. So the inspirational quote that I got from that is clear out the clutter. That's what I'm taking with me. I like it. I like it. <laughs> That's awesome. And we actually uh, had a show about that, but I, I think maybe we need to go back and listen to it again, Marianne. Yes. <laughs> Clearing out the wrong clutter. We have to read right. Oh my gosh. So this has been great. I'm so glad. Did this fulfill your dream of being on a podcast? It did. It did. I Good. feel like I have a story to tell and you all allowed me to start it. Absolutely. So look, we're going to keep in touch. We want to know what you're doing next. I want to know when the book comes out. I want you to tell me when Netflix show comes out, when it's going to be on the big screen, you know, when you're running your next marathon. We want to keep in touch with that. Okay. I definitely will. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. As always, um, we ask that you continue to like, subscribe, share, and catch us on YouTube. Yes. Thank you, everyone. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Bye. -bye.